the actual work I'm doing, I love, but why am I waking up and not feeling that zest for it? Am I nervous? Heck yes. Is it a little nerve, like vulnerable? Super. Is anybody going to sign up? I don't know. Inviting that femininity in and really checking out the priorities for me has done wonders. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Openly Spoken Podcast. My name is Celia. I am the host and creator, and I am so excited. I'm so excited because today I am interviewing my friend and coach, Amber Macbeth. Amber and I actually went to high school together, but we never met in high school. We were connected on LinkedIn somehow And right when I had my official launch of my business, I saw her profile pop up on LinkedIn that she was uh, new to coaching. So I reached out to her and she's been my coach ever since November of 2020. We're still working together and I love working with her. She's really helped me step away from doing too many things and helping me get like aligned with my divine feminine energy and of just like being more intentional and all that stuff. And I am so excited for this episode. We talk about so many, so many things. We talk about how uh, coaching has gotten more accepted in the world. We talk about stepping out as a coach for the first time. We talk about divine feminine energy so many juicy things. So I highly recommend getting yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, something warm, get yourself cozy, get a journal in case you want to take some notes and let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Openly Spoken Podcast, where we talk about the real and raw, messy middle of business and life transitions. My name is Celia Antonio, and I am here to navigate you through uncomfortable action so that you learn, grow, and achieve your goals. I'll share my journey, plus have inspiring guests openly share their lessons, wins, and struggles. If there's one takeaway I hope you can get from this podcast, it would be to be present and enjoy the journey. I'm so grateful you're here today. Now let's openly speak. Thank you so much for being here, Amber. I appreciate you taking this time to be on the podcast. And we've been talking about this for months, so I'm glad it's finally happening. (laughs) Of course. I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor to to share this space and spend time together. I'm really looking forward to it. Yay, me too. So uh, let's start with introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your story and all of that. Yeah. So currently the iteration of myself that is most present is I am Amber Macbeth. I am a leadership and onboarding coach who loves working with leaders and women, especially working on their confidence and kind of who they are and feeling rooted in their strengths and values. Um, So that's kind of what I do per se. Um, I have also been a manager for Target I'm an avid traveler. I love all things outdoors. I am a wife, a friend, and just living life. I'm also based in Los Angeles, not too far from where you are, um, down at the beaches and, you know, just loving, loving kind of who I've grown into over the last, like quarantine was really, really freaking hard, right? But the evolution I've seen of myself has been 
um, difficult, but really lovely. So I'm excited about where I am and, and feeling evolved into a different version of me, which is fun. I love that. I can totally relate to you that like the pandemic was like a good pivotal moment for personal growth for me as well. And I'd love to hear more of like the specifics. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So some of the specifics where I finally really, really got serious about wanting to have a career that I could do remote based. I love to travel. And so I looked at, you know, I think a lot of us in the pandemic looked at our lifestyle and I have a fabulous lifestyle in Los Angeles. I love it here. Actually, after two years of traveling the world, I found that I almost couldn't beat the lifestyle I have here anywhere that I had been um, and have, you know, my friends and family fully here. So, um, but I looked at, you know, how can I evolve that? I was uh, a nanny and a household manager for some families that were local. And so I loved them. I loved that work, but it made me really get in touch with my dreams of wanting to help people. And I felt like I had been the go-to person in a friend group, you know, when people like, I was this like stable inspiration for people of like, they're like, we, we always feel inspired. We love how you, you know, help us through things. They're like, we ever have anything. Um, so I had heard that for, you know, decades of, you know, just that's who I've always been. And I had thrown around and heard this term life coaching. And I was like, there's something in me that really struggled with it of, um, you know, it's not serious enough. It's not professional. It's not grounded in anything. So it's just woo -woo, like, oh, you just wake up one day and you're like, hi, I'm a life coach. I'm going to help you. Like, what, what does that even mean? So I struggled with that for a long time and finding like an institute. So I have formal training in it. Now I spent the last year, I went through a, um, like their coursework and then a six month certification. So I did a very formal route to it. I'm not saying it's the only way, but that's kind of the route I took because for me, I, I needed to feel grounded in some sort of kind of system or knowledge base or something. So that's what the route I did. So I took a year doing that. And so through being coached and practicing coaching and then meeting um, incredible people in this community and spending time in this space with people about like, what the heck do you actually want? What do you love to do? Why is this important? You know, even talking about people's dreams and visions. It's so I pinch myself because I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this now. It's so freaking amazing and fun. So that's a lot of the growth. I did a ton of that. So it was a lot of introspective work. I didn't really expect that at all either. When I started the coaching, I was like, okay, great. I'm going to learn how to help other people, but you can't preach what you don't practice. And so, I mean, I did a lot of, you know, reflecting, um, looking at myself and what that meant for me as well through the guidance and practice with other amazing coaches. So yeah, that was a lot of my growth. Um, the traveling got put on hold obviously, uh, during the pandemic. So I did a lot of that kind of inward movement. There's a, there's a piece there that you mentioned that I really love and I can resonate with. And I've heard a lot of other women that can really resonate with it, that like life coaching is not like serious or it's not like a real career. And, um, we also, we also had a call before this, where you talked kind of a, a bit about how therapy started being more accepted and how like coaching is kind of writing the coattails of that. Can you speak to that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I'll just put a huge distinction out into this space that therapy and life coaching are both incredible tools for people. They serve different purposes and, um, 
you can opt for different ones depending on who you are and what you're looking for help with. So they're very different, but they also in the essence of kind of this, I almost feel like we're kind of this self-help generation of saying, hey, look, we want to, I mean, you've seen all of these bestseller books and, um, you know, just these resources and tools for people. So what I like about, um, you know, this younger generation is coming in, we're saying like, hey, look, like I'm going to therapy because I want to be better. I want to work on myself and the acceptance. I mean, I joke with circles of my friends saying like, oh, who's your therapist? Like, hey, I haven't seen this person works really well or this style is great. And I love that it's just becoming part of the conversation. You know, my mom, I've had conversations with her and she was like, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing things that I wish I would have known about aging or different things. And that gap in communication. So like that didn't happen. The openness wasn't quite there. Whereas I think now you're seeing this openness and willing to see it. And, and there shouldn't be a stigma, but there is still somewhat, I think there's getting less and less of that. And people are like, Oh, why would you need a life coach? Like, don't you have friends? And I'm like, it's so different. And what I like to say to that is, okay, how many times have your friends given you advice and you've not taken it? Because we all have, right? Um, and a coach is so different to a friend. Both are amazing. I advocate highly for friends and a coach <laughs> because they serve different purposes. But yeah, and you know, CEOs of companies have had coaches, you know, exec boards, C-suites, they've had coaches for a long time. So it's not like this is new. And I didn't realize that. I had just, you know, because I'm not in those spaces, I had never thought about, oh, I would have like a personal coach that's not for fitness or nutrition. Um, and so the idea of this, that a life coach is kind of coming into spaces and life coaches can niche down onto like a lot of different categories and things, but you're hearing people talk about it a lot more and you're hearing the effects of it. And I think it's incredible just having, giving people, like I've had um, people just have one session, and even 60 minutes of them having that space for themselves can be so transformative. And that's the true, true joy that I get. Yeah. I think it's all about having that like support. It's like having that support makes such a difference. And with, with even with, I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, but you're my coach <laughs> and just like receiving even yes. just like mirror, even just like you mirroring back what I just said is so helpful. And what you said about friendships, friendships are great too. And I, I also think that like both are, both are necessary. We all need friends. And, um, uh, but you, I think it's like unfair to expect a friend to be like in placement of a coach, because when you're there, when you're there as a coach, there's also that accountability of like showing up at that like time that you both agreed on and uh them following up with you and stuff sometimes sometimes with friendships it's it can be hard to hold people accountable because you know they don't want to feel like you're like pushing them too hard or something but if you're a coach it's expected right and it's super hard some friendships have this in tenfold and some don't of like a transparency of like, how hard do you want me to hold you accountable? Kind of almost how like parents sometimes will play the good cop, bad cop in a sense of like somebody is being a little bit of the tough person in this situation, whether it's a tough conversation or holding 
you know, their kid accountable for not cleaning their room or, or doing chores or whatever that is. And it's like, do you want to have your friends in a position? You know, I love to, as a friend, I love to champion and cheerlead my friends. And that's not asking them like, Hey, did you clear your email inbox this week? Like, they don't really want me to ask that. They want me to talk about, you know, with them and be like, you know, what was a big win? Or if you have a crappy day, like to just give them space for that, you know, but not saying like, okay, so now what are you going to do with that crappy day? Like that's sometimes you just need space to just be, and that's a great place for a friend to. And also a coach can hold that accountability because that's the relationship you've set up with them. And so that is a huge difference. I appreciate you putting that into the space about the accountability because that is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. The accountability is everything. Like me personally, I'm, I'm pretty good at holding myself accountable, but when I have a coach, like I could do way more. (laughs) Okay. Well, for all of the listeners out there, I have maybe never met somebody who can hold themselves accountable better than you can. So you are excellent. You are so, so good at that. I've seen it time and time again, but it's also different when you get somebody that can, you know, celebrate that with you. Or then, you know, if it doesn't work, which isn't really happening with you because you're so you're self-aware and accountable. So you're a coach's dream, but we can also look at pivoting. If something doesn't work, you know, we've tried things and they don't land, you know, okay, we'll try this, you know, setup or this morning routine. And then it kind of like doesn't work. So then we go back to the drawing board and it's nice to have kind of a co-creator relationship that you can do that with somebody um, that is kind of outside your circle too. And sometimes friends know too much. And they can't be objective in situations. And that's another thing, the objectivity that coaches can bring to spaces, which is something that um, can really be beneficial. Definitely. And something, something too that we've worked on a lot this year that I kind of want to touch on is that balance between work and life. I know we, I don't know if this came up by accident, but we were, we were having a chat and then we were talking about divine feminine and how that's mm. more of like being. And I just kind of lit up in the call and I was like, can we please talk about this more? Like I want this energy more in my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still remember that conversation so clearly. It was such a light bulb moment, I think for both of us, which um, I think sometimes the clients don't get the access to know when the light bulb moments come off, go off for the coach as well, because it's, it's about the client. But I remember that call so clearly. And it was amazing in the sense of it was putting some like a name to something that was something you desired. And I think so many women entrepreneurs do. Um, and kind of the basis is as an entrepreneur, it's kind of this hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. It's this constant doing it's this it's okay if you say it till midnight, like sending out whatever it is, emails or creating content or whatever. And, but it's also like just a recipe for burnout. You know, you're on the like freeway just to be like, oh my God, I'm too much. Like, and some people can totally envelop into their business and that's how they are structured and that's how they want to do it. And that's okay. But in that conversation we had, you, you were like, I, don't want that. There's something in me that's like, I like the doing and you are excellent at the doing, but also there was a part of this kind of being that just wasn't quite hitting home well enough. And so then we cracked open into this idea of like inviting, you know, the feminine part of us, our divine femininity into running and creating business. And as an entrepreneur, you get to say what you want 
which is so cool. And from the get go, Celia, you always had the vision of like, I want it to be a very balanced life. I want a whole life and I want my business to be so much, you know, something I truly love, but also only part of my life, not my entire life. And, you know, we've talked about motherhood and just being a good partner and things about that too, that, you know, are kind of on your vision board as well. Um, so yeah, this idea of bringing femininity and we've spent, like, we kind of created many sessions out of that as far as the, like, what does that look like and inviting rest? And so I actually challenged Celia. This is maybe one of my favorite ones. I said, okay, one week a month, 25% of your working time must be a rest week. You must do things that are recharging, that are bringing, inviting creativity and don't feel quote unquote productive. It's not pumping out content. It's not doing outreaches. It's not any of this, you know, heavy, heavy hitting like coursework or anything like that. I said, just make sure it's restful and and kind of inviting that recharge in. And I don't know, Celia, do you want to share kind of how that went for you? Yeah. So uh, November this month will be the third month that I'm doing that. But it's really helped me with my the the weeks that are not the rest weeks. Like it's really helped me with creating more white space and with um, I'm the type of person who like when I write a to-do list, I'll put like a bajillion things. So I'm catching myself more now of like, all right, let me, let me maybe do a to-do list and it'll be like my to-do list for the month or to-do list for the week. And then I can break it up or like I'm, I'm catch myself like writing things down that I need to do. And then questioning, like, does this really need to get done today? Like, is this really a priority? What is the priority? And then I'll like highlight those and maybe put those on a separate thing. So it's really helped me be more at peace, which is being, which is exactly what I wanted. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm so glad that it was helpful, you know, kind of one of those things that just created in that, in the moment through some of these conversations that we've had. You know, and what is something if you could look at like the femininity, what are some of those traits or values or ways that you've invited into your business over the last three months that feels mm -hmm. so impactful? I think just the, the resting in general, and also with leading my day with self-care first and foremost, mm -hmm. like the first thing I'm doing in the day is self-care and like throughout the day doing that, like like, let's say I check my emails and I'm like, all right, I'm done with the emails. Let me put on some music and just dance in my living room intuitively. Like it, it's invited not only more rest, but more fun and enjoyment <laughs> into my day. And we all deserve that. Like when we get caught, at least when I get caught up in like all of these things I need to do, we get so like constricted and serious and life gets so like gray and then like the color has gone and it's just not, that's not a, that's not how I wanted to live my life. <laughs> yeah, I know there's just, you know, in starting this entrepreneurial journey, I have felt, you know, a lot of these like you shoulds and musts and it's, it's taken a while kind of like bouncing off different shoulds and musts, if you will, to get into the things that feel right. Like, you should have this thing, let's say it's a big sales funnel or something. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have that. And there's also a reason that I don't, maybe that's not the direction I go. Transparency, that's not the way that I do things anyhow. Um, and I feel really good about that. But it was like, 
you know, I, you know, there are rough days as your own business owner, especially it's my first time. And, you know, I would wake up and I'm like, I'd have to kind of check in with myself and be like, you know, the actual work I'm doing, I love, but why am I waking up and not feeling that zest for it? Feeling that kind of just like, okay, like another day, it, it does feel sometimes like, oh, I'm, you know, grinding through it, but inviting that femininity and, and really checking out the priorities for me has done wonders of like, you know, and there's a classic, like, instead of I have to, I get to, so I get to work on creating this workshop. Am I nervous? Heck yes. Is it a little nerve, like vulnerable? Super. Is anybody going to sign up? I don't know. There's all of these things. And that like, sometimes that feeling like sits in my belly and I'm like, Oh, like, ugh, I just wish somebody would pay me a lot of money to do this, but that's not part of the journey. And when I get to tap into that creativity or be like, you know what, I need to just go for a walk and, and get outside and, and check in with, you know, just being grounded. And then I get to come back and, and bring different energy. And I'm like, that's what, for me, inviting a lot of this divine femininity into my schedule looks like of just creating a flow that works. And there's still days where, you know, time blocks um, that I'm like, okay, got to get this stuff done. And um, yeah, looking at different things like that. There's still a lot of doing for sure. And also, and, and we've talked a lot about this too, of like not cutting out the masculine energy that helps us get shit done and strive for big things. And however that looks for people, um, because that's important too. It's about striking that balance and what feels right and making sure that we're not prioritizing one over the other, just because it feels like a kind of like what we're used to and creating whatever, you know, and shifting into a different creation. Something that I've, that I've heard a lot is that when we have that divine masculine presence, it allows the feminine to just be and like be held by this like strong masculine presence. So when we're, when we are taking the necessary actions we need to, then we get to have that space where we can relax because then we get to a space where, for example, we're like uh, one of our digital courses sold while we were taking a nap or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. And I know we've talked about this and I've also talked a lot about this with other people. And I think there is a common, there's a common idea out there. Like you can't serve from an empty cup, right? Like make sure charge yourself up, fill yourself up, and then you can give so much better. You can, you show up differently energetically. And it's, it's one of those things that I know we all know to be true. We know what it feels like to come back from vacation where you kind of just could recharge. We know what it feels like to just sleep in one day and not feel guilty about it and be like, that's okay. You know what? I clearly needed that you know, or maybe your parents let you do that one day during a school year and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. Right. Um, but it's, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Hmm. I don't know. Fell off the track. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about how, like when we take the actions that we need that we can like, yeah. And, and so it's, I actually think you get more done when you take those rests. I totally agree. And so it's like one of those where it's like, you know, we know this saying, but something that we've talked about and I've talked about with a lot of other clients is like, we know this to be true, but making it into action is a totally different story, right? Of, you know, even I know it and some days I run myself ragged and I just, 
There's also something that's really interesting about our culture, about busyness. I think that's a really fascinating thing to look at and and just how how busyness shows up. Some people really love it. Some people don't love it. And I think the pandemic was a perfect time where, you know, so for me, a, a highly social creature, I had a lot of sudden white space. It was like, you know, every three days a week, often I'm, you know, going to the rock climbing gym or I'm meeting friends for dinner or I'm hosting people for wine or whatever that looks like. And I mean, I, I love it and it's tiring, but, you know, how does busyness show up for people in kind of n- neglecting themselves, maybe their true desires or not facing or giving them space to really grow? Um, it's easy. It's so easy. And, and also with the busyness, like for me personally, that's something that I saw as like, because you're a woman, you have to be busy to like be prove yourself as worthy. Cause that's how, that's mm-hmm. how my mother was. Mm-hmm. That's how my grandmother was. They both have really amazing work ethic. So how you mentioned, you mentioned something earlier that made me think of like how grateful I am that we have access to so much information that like allows us to, you know, better ourselves because, you know, we've changed the dialogue around therapy being like that you don't going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you and stuff like that yeah yeah and the same you know it's just such a good thing because like in the same vein of like having coach it's not saying that you don't have friends it's not saying that you are a bad leader and you want to be a better one it's not saying that you're not you don't have divine femininity it's just like I want more I want to connect to that And I just, I love that that is becoming the conversation more so of like, it's this supportive, like you see something that you want to either change or improve on in your life and like, cool, kudos to you. It's becoming, I feel like, and maybe this is because it's a lot of the circles I'm into. There's a lot of celebration over competition. There's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of this, like, I am so happy that you're doing that for yourself, or I am proud of you for, you know, saying it out loud and getting, you know, help or assistance, or, you know, like, I'm so happy you got promoted and you're making a crap ton of money. That's amazing. Welcome that abundance. You know, it doesn't make me feel less than, or that I need to now compete with them. And I think that's a really cool shift that we're seeing, which in just amongst friends with, and and peers and colleagues and, and in families even. So hopefully we can keep that kind of mentality and culture shift. I think it's important to just be like, you know, if you want to stay home at Friday night and read a book, like that does not make you less than, or, or even not social, right? Like you're like, this is what I'm choosing to do. And that's great. Let's make that, you know, these choices celebrated for all. I think because of that, a huge part of like the feminine energy is really releasing the guilt and shame about what we want to do. Like, yeah, (laughs) we want to do something, we get to do it and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And like doing that makes us better people and it lets us show up better for others. Like how you said earlier about Mm -hmm. like, you have to fill your own cup so that you can give to others. So, yeah. And it's like, 
What a beautiful time to be alive. I think with this access to information, I think with the ability to connect now through things like Zoom and FaceTime and and to find communities that are out there to you know support you. And um, I know that you're in a few of those other kind of communities with other women entrepreneurs. And it just feels like there's a lot of movement with being celebrated, you know, as women, as what mm-hmm. we want to do. And just what a freaking cool evolution. I think it it's yeah. happening with, you know, women are just saying like, we want much more of, or, or we are saying what we want much more. And, and that's a really big shift from, I would say, you know, even back only a couple of decades ago yeah. um, to now feels like a big evolution. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really is awesome that society has shifted in that way. And to be in those spaces, like the memberships that I'm in, it's just given me this, it's given me this new story of like, when I see someone achieving the goal that I achieve instead of feeling feeling jealous or feeling like oh why can't I get that instead it's like wow that's so amazing for her and also for me personally it shows me that what I've been dreaming of isn't crazy because look she's doing it so why not me too (laughs) yeah and I I think there's a lot of permission being given in essence of like you see other women creating their businesses and you're like, okay, it gives, and it's kind of a bizarre thing, but I've had a few people say like, because of you, I'm now trying this or whether it's starting a podcast or, you know, creating their own business entirely or whatever, but, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not like I, some of the people I'm not even as close with, but you know, just these small things, when you see other people doing it, I think it's so important as far as representation and, everything like that. It's like, you don't even have, it can be just such a small nudge for somebody. And now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I could do that too. Or that's possible. And then just so many things get cracked open. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see like the world in another 15 years with, there's going to be so many cool businesses and women just crushing it. I'm like, I'm so excited for the future. A lot of women leadership coming up the ranks, which is Mm -hmm. so cool the uh, articles on LinkedIn are all like empathy is the number one leadership skill. Like I didn't see that coming 10 years ago. And if that's what's happening now, what is the workplace going to look like in 15 years? Yeah. Um, So super stoked about some of those things coming up. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. Can you tell us about uh, what kind of like shifts or maybe blocks that you might've had when you worked with your first client compared like your very first coaching client to now? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. And, um, it's a nice way to kind of look back and reflect. I think, so for me, there was a lot of, I would say I don't suffer hugely from imposter syndrome. I have moments of it, but I remember thinking one of my huge blocks as a coach was especially quote unquote, life coach, right, which I think it's still kind of we're fighting this, this idea of like, what the heck is it, but of being like, okay, so you're 30. You know, when I started, I was 30. You're a 30 year old trying to give life advice. Um, PS spoiler alert, coaches don't give advice. So, um, so that one is, it's a myth that's very easy to debunk in the sense of like, I don't have to be Gandhi giving advice to people. Um, So one of the things I did face though, was like, how am I going to get through this mentally? If like, I have enough experience, 
skill set and wisdom to help have these conversations with CEOs and people that have been alive longer than I have. So they have a different set of experiences. And so one of the, the shifts I made for that was, I think we all just, it's the human experience, the emotions that they're feeling, you know, from CEOs to stay at home moms to college kids, we all have the same range of emotions. So we're, you know, fundamentally dealing with the same things. Somebody might be stressed that they're dealing with $50 million and somebody might be stressed that their two-year-olds won't sleep, but the emotions that are coming with those are still the same thing. So that was something I struggled with a little bit more at the beginning was like, how, how do I know if I'm asking the right question? Well, you also will never know that. And every coach stylistically is a little bit different. You know, some of the questions and styles that I use are going to be different from even somebody that did the exact same training that I did. So that was one at the beginning that was hard. It was like, am I asking the right questions? Am I good enough at this? Um, so that made me nervous for sure. Um, also a really thing, a big thing for me, and I still wouldn't say that I've come out entirely on the other side, is placing a, a value, a price point to my services. Um, and you and I are both are in this service industry where our service is ourself. And so there's, I have to be really careful that um, and now I'm so much better at it, but then saying like, will somebody pay this much money for me? And I mean, I'm not talking very much money either. So it was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, $40 an hour, like, will somebody pay that to talk to me? You know? And, and it's, it's almost funny to look back at now because it's like, you know, those were very real things that I felt. So putting a price to it and, and understanding that. Also, every no has its own set of reasoning behind it. So to not take things personally, which I am so I'm invested in this work and I'm invested in doing it, it well. So when people say like, no, you know, it's kind of like, oh, are they rejecting me or like my services? Like, what is it that they don't want? You know, do they think it's not worth it? Do they? So trying to not digest and answering that, like, it simply could just not be good timing. It could be that my style is doesn't jive with them. And also you don't want clients that don't want to love to work with you. Um, so, so yeah, there's definitely, so there's the kind of very minor, but imposter syndrome a little bit at the beginning, there was the money um, kind of aspect of that. And then I think there was a, a little bit more, just like the nervousness and how that showed up. Like I would want to make sure we got to everything or, you know, just everything feels new, right? And when things are the first time of like, I'm going to do, I'm going to try this out for the first time. And sometimes things don't work, but people, I doubt that anybody, you could have a conversation with anybody for an hour and then not get something out of it. Like, even if you're just talking to a stranger in the grocery store, you still learn something. And so because of that, I was like, okay, I can release the pressure. I am asking good questions. Um, so, so yeah, those were some things that initially like that nervousness also would make me like speed up and, and I'd want to hit the whole agenda in essence. Like I would kind of create like, okay, they really want to work on this. So we must find answers. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes the big ahas, especially in the coaching come in between when the client is thinking about this or trying something on. Um, and, and I don't get to be privy to all of those moments, which 
is beautiful because it's working outside of that. But also I just want them to know my energy is still out there supporting them in between our sessions. Yeah. How did you start to shift the, um, the piece about holding on to like, what am I, what if I'm not asking the right question and all of that? <laughs> um, you know, it just comes from, for me, there's a lot of like experience based confidence that comes. So when I do something at least once and it goes well, um, you kind of are like, okay, yes. Like I have, a, so for me, everything and, um, Glennon Doyle, is it Glenn? Yeah. Glennon Doyle called, no, it's Brene Brown. Brene Brown calls it FFT fucking first time. And as adults, it's really hard to do first times because we now have an ego. Like you ask a kid like to try a new sport and they're like, yeah, cool. And as an adult, you're kind of like, well, who's going to be there? Are my friends there? Are they watching? Like, you know, I think maybe as a teenager, we start to get a lot of that self-consciousness. Um, so I'd say every time I get a first one done, I get a little bit more confident. I'm like, yeah, I can hold that space or I can, you know, a client sends me a text and was like, oh, this exercise was awesome. Um, so then I get to be a little bit more bold in my asks because I'm like, okay, well that crazy idea worked. What about, you know, when I have the next crazy idea with a client, I'll just throw it out there. And also for a side note for people, my clients always have the option to yes, no, or counter offer anything I throw into the space. So they're never obligated to do anything. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's a lot of just trying things and some things don't work. And then you're like, that's cool. I don't have to do it ever again. So it's about just, you know, for me, staying playful and knowing that when you're playful, you're just more, you know, malleable to like, to going towards what's working or not. And just like removing the ego and play and staying playful, I think are two key components to, you know, being an entrepreneur or just growing in your life. Because I was definitely in a space that I was like, you know, kind of rigid about that of, um, you know, just wanting to do well, but you can't, you don't just have a home run out of the gate, right? Like you've practiced a lot. So um, just having fun with that and knowing that deep down, if you're drawn to do something, whether it's service-based or whatever, there's a reason why. And you probably are already better than you think you are at it. And that is, if you can take that energy and remember that as you're doing things, especially as an entrepreneur, it'll, it'll take you really far. Oh, you dropped so many good gems today. <laughs> Where can uh, people listening find you online and find out more about working with you? Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to connect with all of your listeners and viewers. Um, so I have an Instagram that's not super active. It's Amber Macbeth Coaching. So I post very rarely, but that's a way to contact me. Or you can just go to my website, which is www.ambermacbeth.com and check it out. You can see a little bit about me and my story there. You can get in touch with me. Um, I'd love to connect and have some conversations about divine femininity, coaching, anything. I love it all. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes for anyone listening. And uh, again, Amber is my coach. So I highly, highly, highly recommend her. I think it's been a year now that we've worked together. Yeah, we are. A year, almost a year. year mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and let me just, uh, Celia is an incredibly humble person. 
but the growth that I've seen you have over the past year has been astonishing from this, you know, relatively mild mannered, kind of soft spoken to just to videos of you dancing in your living room. <laughs> it's amazing. You're are you just embody authenticity and boldness and just you're just a gem. I loved our space together and then also growing a friendship alongside our coaching relationship. So I'm super grateful to have you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to have you as a coach. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with a friend and also help us out by leaving us a review over on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast so that more people can see this and we can feed that podcast algorithm. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this podcast and I will see you next week. <laughs>